Good morning. Tammy, Chrissy, I wouldn't have had a problem if we'd had ten more just like it. We could have took up the whole service with that. It wouldn't bother me one bit. I ask you to pray for me this morning. I got several things that are working against me. Number one, I cannot hear anything right now. It sounds like everything is, I don't know what's going on, but I, I can't hear nothing at all. So that's messing with my head. Um, I'm taking medicine for a sinus infection, so I'm drunk right now. <clears throat> so yeah, your preacher is preaching drunk. Never thought I'd say that. But um, not that bad. But I, um, I do ask for your prayers this morning. We're going, um, I hated to call Nick after uh, being out for so long. I thought, you know what, I, it's time to get back in. I'm going to get back in here. We're going to get through this one way or the other. But um, the message I want to speak to you this morning is titled, How to Succeed in God's Mission. It comes from the book of Colossians chapter 4, if you want to turn there. Colossians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 7 through the end of the chapter, 7 through 18. Please don't think I'm being rude with the cough drop in my mouth. It just is going to help my voice, I know. So, um, and as always, I do appreciate if you have the means and are able to stand for the reading of God's Word. Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. When you get there, say amen. amen. If you ain't there, say hold on. I couldn't have heard you no way. <laughs> so here we go. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother. He's a faithful minister. And he's a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, which is one of you, they will tell you everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, that if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always, struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear witness, for I bear him witness, that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, you have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, that see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. 
You can be seated. And as you're seated, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come to you right now and um, I just want to say thank you that you are a good, good father. Father, thank you so much, um, Lord, that you open our eyes to the fact that you love us and you want us in your presence, God. Thank you that even though we are wretched, sinful messes, every one of us in this room, thank you that you desire to, to make us new, that you desire to bring us into fellowship with you and to cleanse us with your righteousness, God. Father, I pray this morning that there would be many, many more that come to that revelation, that come to that understanding of who you are. It is who you are, God. And Father, I thank you. Thank you so much that we are so loved by you. And Father, this morning I pray that as we're opening up your word, Father, only you can accomplish anything with it. Lord, I have no power. I have no authority. I, I, I have nothing special to be able to to do this morning, unless your anointing comes and, and accomplishes the purpose that you sent this word out for, then, then Lord, it, it'll just be void. But God, I'm taking absolute confidence in your promise that you said when you send this word out that it will not return to you void. You will cause it to do what you sent it out to do. So Father, right now I ask you, Lord, you just do according to your word. You cause your word to do what you sent it out to do this morning. And I pray that it goes with that power and that anointing as I speak it this morning. God, I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In every letter that Paul writes, Paul makes mention of the fact that God has made the church a body of believers, not lone rangers, not people who, who uh, are singled out and do things on their own. But instead, the only way this thing works is whenever we work together as a team and each part does its share. If you go over into the book of... Um, uh, Romans, you, you'll see that he calls us members of one another and he, he urges us to serve one another and to minister to one another and to, to make sure that we are, are nurturing each other in, in, in our faith in Christ. And if you go over into the book of Ephesians, you'll see that he says that uh, the family is fitted together by what every joint supplies and as each part does its share, Growth occurs. If you go into um, Corinthians, he talks about the, the, the church being a body of Christ and he refers to it as hands and feet and fingers and toes. And, and he talks about the way that a human body works together is the same way that a church body or the body of Christ works together. And so no matter where Paul is speaking to, he is always addressing the fact that Teamwork is necessary in order for us to succeed in the mission that God has given us. Now, I say that this morning because um, I thought about the, the great preaching and teaching that Nick has been doing here lately and, and always has. But I, I just thought about how great it is to be able to work together with somebody like him. And then Kirby stepped in here last week, and, and I've heard nothing but great things about the message that Kirby spoke and that the word that God gave him. And it, it blesses my heart. 
I want to tell you, I, there is absolutely no jealousy whatsoever. It, I am so thankful when I come in and I hear people saying, Kirby brought the word, and, 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 and he touched my heart with the word that he shared. And, and that blesses my heart to be able to hear something like that because I understand something, that this mission is not about whether or not I look good. This mission is about us all growing together in Christ's likeness. That is our ultimate goal. The way that Paul put it um, in Colossians, since we're in Colossians, and I didn't give Nathan the scripture, but I'll just read it to you. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29, this is the way he started this book off. He said, Jesus Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Jesus Christ. For this reason I toil or I labor, struggling with all his energy or all God's power that he powerfully works within me. So here's the way I sum this up. The Apostle Paul looked as a church and as a body and he understood that our primary goal is that we help each other become mature in Jesus Christ. It is vital that we understand that, that yes, I have a part to play, but each and every one of you have a place in this. Tammy Kimbrough would not have been where she is today in her walk with Christ were it not for a Christy Lane that steps up and decides to teach a class in her home. We would not be where we are today were it not for somebody that God has placed in your life that did their part and because they did their part, you are a changed person and you are more like Christ today because of the part that someone else played. I am so thankful today to be a part of a body and a team that understands our mission and our purpose. That was such a blessing this morning to hear Tammy get up here and say what she understood redeemed to be. Because I'm telling you, that was growth in Jesus Christ and only God and His Spirit can do that through the work that He does and the labor and the toil that other ministers like Christy put in to this work. So how do we continue to succeed in this mission? Now remember, our mission is very simple. It is we want to nurture and edify faith in Christ. We want to take faith in Christ and we want to grow this thing up and we want to make people to become more and more like Jesus Christ in their everyday walk so that they reflect the glory of God in everything that they do. That's the bottom line. We were created to display His image. It's why we are here. And Jesus Christ comes into our life and as we learn about Him and as we follow Him and as we trust Him, it transforms us into the image of Almighty God into our original purpose that we were created to be. I know the... Um, the small groups that have been getting together here lately, Chris and Tara's in particular, they go out and they pray with people. And I've gotten phone calls here lately from, 
from some of the people that they sit down and they prayed with. I've gotten phone calls to let me know just how thankful they were that somebody would stop by and pray with them. People that weren't able to get out of their house, but yet somebody stopped by and just asked them, is there something that we can pray for y'all for? And um, if I'm not mistaken, I think there was a salvation yesterday. They led a young lady to the Lord in Christ just because they were willing to go out and just knock on somebody's door and say, hey, we're not here to sell you anything. We just want to know, is there something we can pray for you for? And, um, and then they're able to sit down and just talk with people. And they were able to lead someone to faith in Christ. And as a result of that, that person will now grow in Jesus Christ. And they will become a reflection of the image of the glory of God. But it, it's, it takes the entire team to be able to accomplish this. I sit here and I watch Sean McKittrick up here this morning teaching Sunday school class. And let me tell you, Sean, you need to come in and watch Sean teach one Sunday morning. It's funny. It's fun just to sit back and watch him teach because he's so giddy. Y'all know what giddy is, don't you? He's so giddy. He's so excited to be up here. And he's so excited right now about what God is doing in his life and about the things that God is showing him. And I love to see that excitement in him because he wants nothing more than to just share it with his brothers and sisters. And he ain't got enough time to be able to share everything with you that God is sharing with him. And that's exciting. And I know that somebody is going to reap that work that he's putting in. As God is instilling in Sean, he's going to turn around and instill in others. And it's going to cause somebody else to grow and mature in Jesus Christ. And so I went into a Sunday school class this morning. Um, I think it's Dor yeah, it was Doris and Michelle Sunday school class, and I looked on the wall, and I love to be able to see um, to be able to see the um, decorations and things on the wall. And um, I looked in there, and she had um, she had put all this stuff up about how to pray and when to pray, and it was for the kids, but. I love to see a Sunday school teacher that understands I'm not just in here just to fill a spot. But I'm in here to help kids learn about Jesus Christ, to help them learn about a relationship with God, to help them learn about how to pray. I, I, I love to see people that understand that I have a purpose and a reason for being in this body. You don't know how many people I've heard talk about Tina and the, the food ministry that, that she does. And, and it's so behind the scenes and nobody ever hears about it. Uh, it, it's something that, that's just quietly done. But there are people that have surgeries or they get in the hospital or something. And, and, and because of that, she's out here and she's getting people together to make meals and take meals and collect for people. And during those times, that's just showing the love of Christ and the love of God to try to help someone. And I'm so thankful for people like her that are willing to just see a place and step up and say, hey, I can fill this spot the people that work with the youth and have been doing so for so many years. I could go on and on and on. Uh, the Guatemalan missions and what the popes are, are, are doing with that. And, and there are so many things that are taking place in this body and it is causing glory to be reflected back to God and worship and fulfilling our mission. But today I want to look for just a moment at what the Apostle uh, Paul is talking about when he ends this book of Colossians because I think that he's trying to teach us all a lesson about what it takes for the mission of God to succeed in the church. 
And one of the first things that I see comes from Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. And I'm just going to kind of pick and choose the, the verses that we get to in here. But in verse 12, he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear witness, go to 13 with me, for I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. You know, one of the things that you need to understand here is that Paul is actually in prison in Rome when he's writing this. A lot of these people that he mentions are fellow prison people. A lot of these people that he mentions are people that he led to the Lord in prison. And we're going to talk about some more of them here in a minute. But here he points out a guy that he says, this guy Epaphras is always struggling with everything in him, in his prayers, so that you will be mature in your faith and so that you will stand before God complete. And how many of you know that this struggling this word that he uses here is not a word to take lightly. It's a word that, that literally means hard labor or toll. There's no telling how many hours he spends in prayer. Have any of you in here ever had to fight to pray? Prayer is not something that just comes natural, is it? Not for me anyway. I don't know. Maybe some of y'all it is. But for me, I have to fight to pray. It is a battle just to remain in prayer. You know that we used to sing an old song that was called Sweet Hour of Prayer. I believe we could change that today to Sweet Minute of Prayer. I believe we could change that song today to, to say um, a, a sweet weekly time of prayer or a sweet monthly time of prayer. And one of the things that we have to understand is that if we're going to succeed in our mission, we have to have every member of this team that understands, just like Epaphras, that I am in this thing to win it. Epaphras was not just getting down and just um, uh, um, in a little prayer here and there. He didn't just come and kneel at the altar and say, uh, God, I just want to pray for, for Tommy and I, I hope he grows in his faith. Think about what this says here for just a minute. Go back to verse 12 and read it one more time to think about this attitude. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, he greets you. And he is always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. And then in verse 13 he says, and I can bear witness to it. I see him in his prayers. I see what he puts in to making sure that you have the power that you need to stand before God mature and complete in Christ Jesus. And see, here's the thing about it. I think that a lot of us don't have that same kind of mindset and that same kind of mission. We don't have that mindset that says, listen, I want to see 
Chris Burchell standing mature and complete in front of God in Jesus Christ. I want to see Chris McAllister become everything that God means for him to be. I want to see Roger Bond become everything that God means for him to be in Christ Jesus. And I want to see this body. It's not just about me. It's not just about my family. It's about the body that God has put me in. And I need to understand that I need to have a spirit that wants to win. Now, why do I say win? The Apostle Paul always, uh, when he talked about uh, this fight of faith, he always, he always called it things like a fight. Well, when you're fighting, are you fighting to lose? No. Hey, when, or if he didn't call it a fight, he called it a, a race. Well, if you're running a race, are you running to lose? No. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, I believe it is, or 24 through 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Another version that I actually like better than the English Standard Version says, Run in such a way that you may, may be able to obtain it. In other words, everybody's running. But what was different about the way Epaphras was running? He was running to win. He was running with everything in him and he understood that we have a goal here. These are my people. Notice what he said, and you don't have to go back to it yet, Mark, but in, um, uh, in Colossians he said, Epaphras, who is one of you? In other words, Epaphras understood, these are my people. In the near future, we're going to be talking more about church membership and what it means. But one of the things that you need to understand is that God has put you in this body of believers for a purpose and a reason. That the body is made up of churches everywhere. But this body right here, these are your people. These are the people that God has put you together with to grow with, to weep with, to rejoice with, to hurt with, to be hurt with. God has put you in this place and these are your people. And you need to understand that in order for us to succeed at God's mission, we need to understand that this body that God has put together of fingers and toes and hands and feet and eyes and mouths and all these different pieces that work together, they are here to help each other stand perfect and complete in Jesus Christ and all the will of God. And I need to have a mindset that says, I want to run in such a way that I'm going to win. Epaphras says, my job may be that I'm a prayer warrior. That's what I do. So you know how I'm going to pray? I'm going to pray in such a way that I win. I may be a women's small group leader. May not be able to do a whole lot. But I'm going to lead this small group in such a way that I want to win. I may be a men's small group leader and I may not be able to accomplish much. I, I, I may not be able to do everything that others may be able to do, but I'm going to lead this men's small group in such a way that I want to win. And so each and every one of you, I'm trying to get you in that mindset that every member 
whether it's Savannah leading her harmony part or whether it's Chris up there playing his guitar and his worship leader or, or whether it's Shirley on the piano or Peyton on the drums or, or what, whatever it is part that you play or Doris in Sunday school, uh, whoever it is, they understand I may not be able to be the best one that's ever done this, but one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to do this in such a way that I'm going to win. I'm going to win. And when every member of this team has that mindset, I'm telling you, there is no way that we can fail. There's no way that any of your ministries can fail if you go into it with that mindset. <coughs> Excuse me. I got to settle down or I'm going to lose my voice. Number two. Colossians chapter 4 verse 9 and 10. Let's back up a little bit. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 4 verse 9 and 10. And with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who also is one of you. They will tell you everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. The second thing, each team member has to be ready and willing to help everyone else find their place on the team. Now, why do I use these two verses right here? Well, here's one thing you need to understand about these two guys. The first one he mentions is Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave. Onesimus is a runaway slave that if you read the book of Philemon, you'll understand a little bit more about his story. <coughs> Onesimus was also being told by Paul that he has to go back to where he ran away from. You have to now, after you've been saved of, of, by hearing the gospel in prison, now you have to go back to where... You came from. You have to go back to the person who owns you. Thank you, sweetie. And then John Mark, look at verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And here's one thing you need to understand about Mark. In the book of, um, I think it's Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, verse 36 through 39. It says, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the gospel or the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So go on to verse 39. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other, Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. I want you to think about something for here for just a minute. John Mark is supposed to be going with Paul and Barnabas on his missionary journey. If you go back and you read the story, when John Mark gets off the boat, he's a young man. He just joined up with them. He's never been outside of his little Jewish country there. He goes into Asia Minor and he gets off the boat and he starts walking up through 
the city, and he sees nothing but idols everywhere. This is just a crazy thing. It's the craziest thing he's ever seen in his life. So he don't hang around. It scares him to death. And he turns around and he runs off. And so whenever it comes time for them to go back and check on these people again, John Marcus, all of a sudden, it's a year or so has passed by, maybe a couple of years. Now John Mark wants to go with them again. Barnabas says, come on. Come on and go with us. Paul says, I don't want him to go with us. If he can't be committed, then I don't want him to be a part of us. And so they end up splitting up and Barnabas and Mark go this way and that's how Paul and Silas end up in a partnership in the gospel together. So here's what you need to understand from Colossians. Now, here we have Paul sitting in a, Colo in a Roman prison writing to the Colossians and now he makes mention that John Mark is with him in this ministry and he says, notice what he says again in verse 10, <coughs> Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, to welcome him. More than likely, here's what's taking place. More than likely, Paul, in his time, hadn't thought very much of John Mark. More than likely, John Mark don't have a very good reputation in a lot of places. And now Paul has got to a place in his life where he understands something. John Mark was young, and he's useful. He's grown, and it is my job to help him find his place in this ministry. And so he writes ahead, and he says, Listen, if this young boy comes, I know he hadn't stuck with us. I know he's made some mistakes. I know he don't do everything right. But welcome him, because he's useful. If you were to go on over into 2 Timothy, I think it's 2 Timothy chapter 4, he actually tells Timothy to bring, all right, here you go, do your best to come to me soon. This is Paul talking to Timothy. For Demas in love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus has left for Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. So here's again something that you need to recognize. That Paul as he's growing older, he's beginning to mellow out a little bit. All of a sudden he's not so sharp against a, a few mistakes that some kids made. And now he's looking out among his people and he's understanding it's my role to help everyone find their part. You know, here's one thing that you're going to have to understand if we're going to be successful in our mission in this church. Everybody ain't going to do everything perfect, are they? Your worship team ain't going to be the, the, the absolute perfection that they want to be every Sunday morning. Your Sunday school teacher ain't going to be able to stand up here and be the, just the best teacher that you've ever heard in your life, more than likely. Most are not. You're going to have to be able to leave some room for some mistakes. And you're going to have to understand that you have a place to help others find their place. That you have to leave some room to be able to help others figure out where their place is. And you know that's something that I've tried to do over the years. What Most all of us have tried to do it. Y'all did it with me. Y'all did it with me. 
You go back 20 years, go back 20 years and you'll see a little young punk that living out there in the world like all the devil uh, and, and, and you, you stood up here and you left some room for some mistakes and you counseled me and I can remember that pastor that was down there, he's gone to be with the Lord now, but Brother Charles, he would call me to the side and he'd know things I was doing and what I was doing and he would sit me down and he'd try to talk to me and he would try to counsel me and he would try to help me along and he would tell me you need to quit doing this and, and you need to start doing better in this, but he was patient with me. He loved me. He didn't accept my wrong, but he counseled me and he left some room for some error. He didn't expect absolute perfection, but he said he helped everybody be able to find their place in the ministry. Guys, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to be able to leave some room for error for the people, especially the young ones that are coming up, and even us older ones. I say older ones, unless I feel like I'm older. I know I'm not that much older, but I've been doing this a long time. I have. You know, I'm, we're 20 years into this thing, Nick. I mean, we're 20 years into this thing, and, and, and here we are. I'm still learning. I'm still growing, and, and there still has to be some room for error. But if we're going to be successful in this mission, you have to be the kind of person like Paul got to that understands, i got to leave some room for some error because you know what? Even people that run away, even people that forsake me, eventually they can be useful for ministry if they're willing to get back up and they're willing to get back in. You know, how many people have we seen over the years, the jelly rolls? Y'all know what I'm talking about. There have been so many that we've seen over the years that uh, the Savannah Lees, I'm just going to call her right in there with it. You've got to leave some room for some error. You've got to leave some room to understand that they're going to make their own mistakes. They're going to walk their own path. And we love them. And we counsel them. And we try to remember that they are still useful for ministry, even in spite of their mistakes and even in spite of the things that they, that they don't get perfect every time. Each team member has to be ready and willing to help others be able to find their place in the team. You know, and if you're still searching for that and you're still trying for that, just be patient. You know, I can remember when, um, I've shared this with you before, but when Lauren Bishop first came in this church, I don't remember how many years ago it's been, I did a job fair. We were looking for laborers. I was trying, I was praying for laborers. I was, I was trying to get people to fill positions and work. And we did a job fair at the church and we rolled ministries across the board. And I can remember um, that before it was over with, Lauren Bishop, who I had never even met before, didn't even know where she come from, she had done signed up for every job on the list. And I sit there and I'm looking at this thing going, okay, well, at least I got one. I don't know who she is. I don't know where she come from, but I got one. And, you know, and she, you know, here's the thing about it. She didn't know where she belonged. She didn't know where she fit, but here's what she knew. I want to belong and I want to fit. I want to belong and I want to fit. So if I can get in, I'm going to get in. And you know, over the years, it's took her some time to begin to find her place and to be able to figure out the best places that she fits in to be able to minister to the body. But she's done a good job of it. And you know, there are many of you that maybe you're still searching and maybe you're still looking. Don't be afraid to look for something and try something and jump in and be a part of something. You just need to have one desire. I want to fit in. I want to be a part. And if you do, 
then find a place to get in and find a place to be a part. So again, be patient. You may be doing more than you realize. This brings me to my last point. Each team member must see and understand the importance of their individual roles to the main mission. Look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 10 and 11 again. It says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been what? You know, Wednesday night we were here, and um, I just took the time just to have a, have a thankful service for Meemaw and Miss Sue. And you know why? Meemaw taught Sunday school for years and years, and Miss Sue has cleaned the church for years and years, and they have their parts that they play. But one thing that has always been an encouragement to me probably more than anything else as a pastor, is that they're going to be here. Did you hear what I said? They're going to be here. I walked in through that door that night and the sun was coming through that door and it was shining on the back of Meemaw's head. Now, I don't want to embarrass her, but her hair was messed up in the back. I walked up behind her and I pet her on the back of the head and I kissed her on the head and, and, and she began to talk to me and her voice sounded weak. And, um, and it just seemed like she just didn't really feel good. And I thought to myself, you know, how many people, how many people just didn't feel good and they stayed home? Now don't get me wrong, I understand. I'm as guilty as you are. I promise you. But it blessed my heart to be able to know one thing, that no matter what, no matter what, if they can be here, they're going to be here. And I'm going to tell you, that means a lot for encouragement. You think about it right now. Each one of you have somebody in here that if you come in this church and that person is not here, you're a little discouraged. You know that. You know that feeling. And it's because that's part of your family. You have that connection with them. You love to be with them. You love to want to see them. And if they're not there, then it's a little discouraging to you. And so you need to be able to understand that you may be doing more than you think. So each team member must see and understand the importance of their individual roles even though you may not think it's much to it. Listen to me. Don't think that your presence is not important. Is it a mortal sin if you miss church? No. Is it a mortal sin if you decide to stay home on a Wednesday night? No. We're not under law. We're under grace. But I'm going to tell you something. Don't ever underestimate just how important your presence is to other people when it comes to encouragement, when it comes to knowing that I'm not alone in this thing when it comes to knowing that I have a family that are my people.
And so each team member has to be able to see and understand that your role and your individual role is important to the main mission. Listen, don't, don't think for those of you that are, and I've said this many times, you're, if you're teaching a children's class or you're in the nursery, listen, you're not just a babysitter. Do you remember the story where, I think Eddie shared it when he was collecting the groceries for the, for the kids, but do you remember the story to where the, the people were bringing the children to Jesus so that he might touch them? That's what the Bible says. Just so that he might put his hand on them and bless them. And then the disciples said, no, he ain't got time for this. He ain't got time for this. And Jesus got very angry. Very angry. And he said, don't you dare stop a child from coming to me to be blessed. Bring the children to me. And he put his hands on them and he just blessed them. You know, in the Old Testament, the heads of the household and, the, um, and especially the priests of that time were commanded by God to pronounce a blessing on the people. They had authority from God to actually pronounce a blessing on their families and on the people. And the blessing went something like this. Um, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you his peace. And now you go through your head and think about what those things mean. And that was the blessing that they had the authority of God to put on their families and on their people. That's the reason why you hear me pronouncing that blessing on you from time to time. Need to do it more often than I do. But as... Christians and as a holy priesthood, as a peculiar people, you have the authority in the name of Jesus Christ to as you hold a little child to bless that child in Jesus' name. Don't underestimate that. Don't underestimate the significance in that. And you bless that child in Jesus' name and you pronounce the blessing over them. You pray over that child. You're not just a babysitter. You have to understand the importance of your individual roles and each one of them have such an important role to play. If it weren't for the small group leaders that are doing what they're doing, that we have seen so much come out of that ministry. Listen, at first, I'm not going to lie to you, we took years to put that thing together because we were scared of it. We didn't want to look like we're just trying to follow the modern day church because that wasn't the point. The point was how can we accomplish our mission and utilize our time and make the most of it? And that's what we came up with. And it took about, what, three years? Two or three years before we ever finally put this thing together. And since then, in just the short amount of time it's been doing, I'm going to say it's made more impact than a single Sunday night in the last ten years. And so, I'm telling you, every little part that you play, no matter how individual your ministry is, it's vital and it is important. Don't underestimate what you do in this ministry. Last thing, I promise I'm done. I know. Mm. Lord, I, I'm trying. Each member must not give up when it gets tough. Each member must not give up when it gets tough. Listen, do you think Mark had every right to give up whenever Paul didn't want nothing to do with him. 
The Apostle Paul, the great missionary, he says, you know what? If Mark can't be with us and stay with us, then I don't want him with us. How many of us would have just went back to the house and said, well, so be it. But yet here we see him coming back on the scene saying, hey, can I have another shot? Can I have a chance? That is special to me. Every member must not give up just because it gets a little tough. Onesimus, he was a slave, a runaway slave. Guys, I don't know if you understand what that means. Go read the letter of Philemon and understand the way that Paul pleads with Philemon who was Onesimus' owner because you know why Paul has to plead with him? Because Onesimus has the right to kill him when he gets back home. He has that right. And Paul pleads with him. And then Paul tells Onesimus, Onesimus, listen, I know you just got saved and I know you're my brother in prison, but now I've got to ask you to do something. I've got to ask you to go back. How many of you know Onesimus could have quit? could have just laid down. He could have said, you know what, this ain't worth it. Guys, I'm telling you, all these people that Paul mentioned here in Colossians, they all had a reason to either give up, they had a reason to not keep going, they had a reason to not feel important because they were just a comfort to Paul. They had every reason not to understand just exactly how vital they were to what they were trying to accomplish. And many of them, some of them actually did quit. You read, we don't have to go back there, but I read to you in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, one of the guys that Paul mentioned here in Colossians 4 was Demas. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and look what it says about Demas. Demas quit. Demas walked out, got too tough for Demas. For Demas, in love with this present world, has what? He deserted me, and he's gone to Thessalonica. Paul, Paul experienced this many times. I've experienced it many times. Nick's experienced it many times. They left. It was too tough for them. It can't get to a point that it's so tough that you're willing to quit. You have to understand that the mission is vital and you are vital to the mission. Can God do it without you? Yeah, He can. But is it going to be tough for us? Yes, it will. Matter of fact, let me just close by reading this scripture right here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9-11. through 11. I'm going to read that and I'm done. He says, Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus, gone to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful for the ministry. And now let's go to 2 Timothy 4. Skip down to verse 16 and 17 with me. Skip it down to verse 16. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me, may it not be charged against them. But, look what he says, but the Lord stood by me and he strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And so I was rescued from the mind's mouth. Even the Apostle Paul, as good a pastor as he was, at the end of it, you know who he ended up with? 
the one that wrote the letter, Luke, the Lord. That was it. Do you understand how important you are to this mission? I want you to know something. Will the Lord finish it without you? Yeah, He will. But you sure do make it a whole lot easier. I sure wouldn't want to try to do this without you. I wouldn't want to try to make this without you. So I'm praying that you understand that if we're going to be successful in this mission, you've got to understand that every member has got to understand how important their individual role is. You've got to understand that your role has to be one that you want to win at. You've got to want to win it. And you've got to understand that just because it gets a little tough, it ain't time to quit. It's time to man up and it's time to be stronger. Y'all stand this morning. Whatever the Lord has spoken to you this morning, I don't know what it is. Um, that's between you and Him. This altar right here, there's nothing special about it. It's, it's carpet and wood. That's what it is. But it is a place for us to humble ourselves before God. And I pray that if that's something that you would like to do this morning, that you would make that move and you would humble yourself before God. Or maybe you do it right there in your pew. But whatever the Word of God has spoken to you this morning, I pray that you let it accomplish its purpose in you this morning.